1: I remember we had a banquet here a few years ago. Um, uh, some group, not from our church, some outside group came in and uh, I was really thinking about when this guy recognizes me, you know, they'll, they'll say I'm the pastor of this great church. He forgot my name. <laughs> I'm the host pastor. In front of all these pastors and people, he's going like that. We have to call out my name. I thought of this. Oh, he who wants to exalt himself will be Humbled. Humbled.
2: I think we all struggle with pride. Well, maybe not all of us. There are those who have surrendered to it. Pride alone is serious stuff. It's at the heart of sin itself. But when pride is coupled with ambition, things can get really ugly in a church. It doesn't take very many people seeking to exalt themselves to do severe damage to a church. But chapter 2 of Philippians offers us some wonderful principles that If we take them to heart, we'll bring harmony and unity to our congregations. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his practical messages make the transition to radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. Matthew recorded Jesus in chapter 23, cautioning the Jewish leaders about promoting themselves as leaders and teachers. Let's resume Pastor Steve's message at that point.
1: These men like to be addressed and greeted by formal titles. They wanted to be called rabbi. You might think, well, why is that such a big deal? Doesn't that mean teacher? Technically, it means just teacher. But in our Lord's day, to call someone rabbi didn't just mean teacher. It meant exalted one, superior one. It would be equivalent to our saying Your Excellency. That's what rabbi meant, the connotation of it, not just the dictionary meaning. Technically, yes, rabbi, but that wasn't how it was received. Uh, Most exalted, holy one. That's, That's the thought. Supreme one, superior one. Say, well, we don't do that. We don't we're not into calling anybody rabbi. No, but we like honorary doctorates, don't we? Sure, and we like to earn doctor's degrees so we can have that title. Men would address us, holy reverend doctor, humble servant type thing. <laughs> Superior foot washer, you know, that that type of thing. Elevated above others. Call me doctor, and in fact, call me Dr. Doctor, doctor. Is there anything wrong with being uh, being a doctor? Certainly not. Is there anything wrong with having that title? No. But it's wrong to want that title to be elevated above others who don't have that title. That's what he's saying. There is only one true rabbi, only one true excellent one, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying, only one. No one is superior to anyone else in the church. We're all equal. That's why he said, notice that in verse 8. Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. You're all brothers. Don't exalt a spiritual leader above you. Don't exalt Christian leaders and pastors above you. Show them respect, certainly, but don't think that they're any more special than you are. And then he said, and and don't call one another father. Do I have to speak about that? Do I have to say that? And yet there's a whole group within Christendom that says, call me father. Because Jesus went on to say, don't call anyone on earth your father. for And he's not saying about daddy now. He's not talking about that. He's saying, don't look to anybody as the source of your life, because God is your father. One is father who is in heaven. Amen. And then he said, don't call anyone leader or master, for one is your leader, one is your master. The point is, don't look for a title to be exalted above others. I mean, I'm telling you, people are going crazy in evangelical circles about that. In fact, I had someone recently tell me, listen, I know of a lot of big-name speakers. I know we can get an honorary doctorate or, or an earned doctorate. Just go this place, and, and you work for it a little bit, and they'll, they'll give it to you. I won't even mention the names. If I mention the names, you most of you would know the people who have these. Now, I'm not saying their motives are wrong. I don't know their motives. I'm just saying we live in a world that wants to be recognized, wants that title, wants that respect. And the point that Paul is making is a true servant doesn't pursue lofty titles and names to impress others. He doesn't. It's as simple as that. He doesn't. I remember my friend, Marv Rosenthal, speaking on a tape once. I think it was on Romans. He said he he is always embarrassed when someone introduces him as Dr. Rosenthal. For one thing, he said, I'm not a doctor. Marv never even finished seminary. He said, I I can't imagine Moses or Paul wanting to be introduced that way. How does Paul introduce himself? Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Was Paul a learned man? Absolutely. Did Paul have titles coming out of his ears? Absolutely. Paul, a servant. Moses was educated in the courts of Pharaoh. Moses was a brilliant man. Moses was called the servant of the Lord. You see, humble servants don't get degrees to make themselves look good. They just concentrate on serving. And if somebody gives them a degree, that's fine. They just have to let others give it to them, not that they exalt themselves. Do you understand? That's so important. Listen, I'm telling you, we live in a world that that's foreign. It's foreign in Christian churches. And, and I know that for a fact because uh, church pulpit committees are very interested in the degrees that a man has. This isn't just leadership. We've got to have somebody with the right degrees to impress the church next door and our friends. You want to be exalted and just humble yourself. That's what Christ did. So God has given Christ an exalted place and an exalted name. He's also given him, thirdly, an exalted position. Verses 10 and 11 of Philippians. Chapter 2 That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father while Christ was on earth he was mocked he was spit upon he was slapped he was beaten he was ridiculed he then was put on a cross and he died but God exalted him God exalted him and now he sits at the right hands of the majesty on high as the official Lord of the universe, and as Lord, he has an exalted position in which all intelligent beings will someday acknowledge him as Lord and be in subjection to him. You see, this is the purpose for which he was officially made Lord. That's why verse 10 says, that at the name, that is, that's the purpose of of giving him this exalted name, that at the name of Jesus, so that at the name, the Lord Jesus, people will bow and confess him as Lord. They'll do this by bowing their knees and openly confessing that Jesus Christ really is the Lord. Now, what does that mean that he's Lord? Does it mean that he's just deity? No, that's always been the fact. But now he is Lord over all, over them. Paul is quoting, and it'd be good to write this down, even if you don't look it up, Isaiah 45, verse 23. And the context is this. I'll read it to you. God says in Isaiah, "'Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together who has announced this from of old, who has long since declared it. It is Is it not I, the Lord? And there is none other God beside me.'" A righteous God and a savior, there is none except me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. To me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. What he is speaking about is, is a recognition that Jesus Christ is sovereign. He's supreme and there is loyalty and allegiance to him in that sense. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, Everyone will acknowledge his lordship. Everyone, every intelligent being will acknowledge his lordship. He says, those who are in heaven, who's in heaven? Angels, redeemed men and women. They will acknowledge. In fact, they're they're acknowledging that right now. You just have to look at Revelation chapter 5, and they are worshiping the sun. Then he says, those on earth, that is those who are living on the earth at the time of his return, believers and unbelievers before they're sentenced to judgment. And then he says, those unto the earth. And this is just a symbolic way of referring to demons and the unsaved in hell or Hades. Even those in hell will be forced to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that a sobering thought? They'll be forced to acknowledge that. Every single person who's sitting here today, the person to your left, the person to your right, every single person, all the children who are back in children's church, the helpers there, every single person. In fact, every single person, not only sitting here, every single person in this city, in this state, this country, this world, every single person will someday drop to their knees and openly confess that Jesus Christ, the despised, humiliated, shamed, crucified one, is the ex- is in the exalted position of Lord. That's the purpose by which for which God gave him this new name. And the question isn't, will you do this? That's really not the question. The real question is, how will you do this? How will you acknowledge him? Will it be with joyful faith because you have come to know the Lord, because you have bowed your knee and confessed him as Lord before before you died? Or will it be with resentment and bitterness and and despair because then it will be too late? He is not saying that there's coming a time after death when someone can trust Christ. What he is saying is even those who have died in their spirits, they will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. There's no second chance for salvation. He's simply saying that whether a person wants to or not, he will be at that time forced to, to confess Jesus as Lord. You say, Well, how come how come we don't have to do that now? How come we don't have we're not forced to? This is called the day of grace. After Christ comes, the day of grace is over. Over. You will either willingly submit to his lordship now or unwillingly acknowledge it in the future. You see, this also answers the great issue of whether we have to accept Jesus as Savior and, and Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, many people I'll hear say, well, uh, I have made Christ Lord of my life. You don't make him Lord. He is Lord. And when you trust him, you are not trusting him just as Savior. You must trust him for who he is and that's Savior and Lord. It is only part of the gospel to say, I, I trust him. I take the gift of salvation. That is certainly part of it. I take the gift of salvation, but also there must be submission to who he is because he is not just the humiliated one. He is also the exalted one. Jesus Christ is Lord. And someday we will all acknowledge this. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere in the Bible where it says, accept Him as your personal Savior. You won't find that. It does say, Lord. Throughout
2: the book of Acts, see what the apostles preached. They preached Him as Lord. In fact, when you think about it, saying that we have made Christ Lord of our lives is pretty arrogant. He has been Lord and will continue to be Lord. We have no authority to bestow that title on him, but what we need to do is recognize and submit to that lordship. We will just take a very brief moment to greet those of you who just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're glad to have you with us today. We are studying church unity in this series of radio classes, and our main text is Philippians chapter 2. As we see how the Lord Jesus humbled himself and as a result was glorified and exalted, it is tempting for us to humble ourselves in order that we might be honored. As we are about to see, that is not real humility. Here is Pastor Steve to continue our lesson.
1: Now certainly there is a deepening of commitment to him and certainly there's a we reach a point in our life where there is a, a, a growth and 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 a deepening of awareness of his lordship but we don't make him lord he is lord he is not just savior he is lord and look at the end of verse 11 because when this takes place not only will the lord be recognized but the father who exalted him will be glorified the end of verse 11 to the glory of god the father you see even our motives for wanting for wanting to humble ourselves so that we'll be exalted must be purified. It has to be for God's glory. It has to be for God's glory so that he will be recognized as the glorious God who exalted us. That is to say that my motive is not just, well, I want a place reigning in the kingdom. I want a big place. I want to be over Miami. You know, maybe throw in Fort Lauderdale too. But it's not just that. It's saying, look, I want to be exalted so that he will be recognized as the one who exalted me. Folks, don't miss the point of, of Philippians. I, I don't want you to miss the point. Christ did not concern himself with being exalted. Don't you concern yourself with being exalted. Whether it's at your business, whether it's in the church ministry, whether it's amongst your peers, your relatives. So they think that you're strange because you're a Christian. Don't try to exalt yourself and show them how great you are. You'll only mess things up. God will be forced to humble you. I know I've been there. I struggle with it. And every time I try to make a name for myself, something ridiculous happens to me to the point now where it's almost funny. <laughs> I remember we had a banquet here a few years ago. Um uh, some group, not from our church, some outside group came in. And uh, I was really thinking about when this guy recognizes me, you know, they'll, they'll say I'm the pastor of this great church. He forgot my name. <laughs> I'm the host pastor. In front of all these pastors and people, he's going like that. We have to call out my name. I thought of this. Oh, he who wants to exalt himself will be humbled. Humbled. So I'm, I'm a fellow struggler with you. But I'm telling you, the Christian life is a life of lowly service for others, not reckoning an exalted place or not, not reaching rather for an exalted place, a name or position. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, because there are many in a church who want an exalted position. I, I meet people all the time who come and announce that they are ready to be an elder, a deacon, a teacher. Just say the word. We don't know them. We hardly know anything about them, but they want to tell us that they are qualified. I'm very leery of that. I'm leery of that. Because there are so many who want exalted places. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd, he says, speaking to the elders, shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock. That is to say that there are many men who want to be in leadership position, an exalted position, so they lord it over others. You want to be in leadership? Humble yourself. I'll never forget hearing the story about Josh McDowell, who graduated from uh, Talbot Seminary, I guess back in the 60s, and uh, all kinds of honors and degrees and a and, uh, great scholar. And he went to Bill Bright President of Campus Crusade, and he said, I'm here. I'm ready. For the next year, Josh McDowell cleaned toilets. That's right. He said, I'm ready. I'm here. And they put him to work cleaning the bathrooms. Josh McDowell had to learn how to humble himself so that in due time, God would exalt him. God's given him a great ministry now. But see, there are a lot of people who just kind of feel like, I'm here. I'm God's gift to the church. Usually, my experience has been people like that don't stay for more than a year. So get frustrated about being servants. When God sees you can clean the bathrooms, then God will promote you to a place of of exalted leadership, but for the right reasons. Notice in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, there's something else in verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you. Whole church, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hands of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. The apostles of our Lord, those smitten with the Muhammad Ali complex, wanted that honored place in the kingdom, but they didn't know what greatness was all about. They were thinking like pagans. They didn't know that the really great people in the kingdom, the really great men and women in the kingdom, are the most humble servants. And what happens when they push themselves and connive to get into places of prominence and authority, when they put their mother up to do this scheme for them? What happened? You had a arguing, debating problems. That's what happens in churches, when people exalt themselves. You see, the way to avoid a church split, and we don't have these problems. We don't have these problems, but the day is coming if you don't take heed to this when there's going to be the challenge of a problem like this. Satan is is bright. He is a mad genius. He will attack in these areas. And the way to a church split is to exalt yourself. Just seek a place of prominence, a title of honor, a position of authority, and if somebody tries to push you down, you push back up. And you get three, four hundred people doing that, you even get two people doing that, you got problems, serious problems. But what does Philippians 2 say? Humble yourself, seek the good of others, and you'll be in harmony with each other. And if it's God's will in this life to exalt you, then he will. If it's not, be patient. Heaven is coming. Let's bow for prayer. This portion of scripture is where bowed and quiet before him has two primary points of application. For the believer, it says this, will you humble yourself or will you exalt yourself? I know for me, this has been a very purifying study as I have had to confess sin in my own life, confess attitudes that are wrong, maybe things that you never see, but things that I see and struggle with. And if it's in me, then it is in you. Will you humble yourself at work? Instead of really struggling with why someone else got a promotion rather than you. Will you humble yourself, young people at school, with why is that person chosen for the athletic teams? Why is that person always so popular? Humble yourself and be a servant to that person. In the church, why is that person always recognized? Why are they always asked to do the best jobs? Why didn't I get that? Humble yourself, serve them. And the second point of application is, will you acknowledge Christ's lordship willingly now or be forced to then? This is for those who don't know the Lord. Then it'll be too late for salvation. But someday the opportunity, but but rather today, the opportunity is available. The opportunity is available for you right now. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Why? Because you must recognize that not only is he the one who died for you, he's the one who is risen again and exalted. Will you receive his death for you as you bow to his lordship? That's salvation. Will you receive his death for you? If you will, then Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's have a moment of silence. And if you need to call upon Christ to save you now and bow to his lordship, then do that. And then we'll close in prayer. Father, sobering passage of scripture, thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for teaching us that Jesus is exalted. Lord, change changed my whole perspective. And I pray that it's changed many people's perspective this morning. I pray for those who are without Christ those who need to trust Him, that they will, that they'll acknowledge His Lordship. They'll bend the knee now. Confess Him. Openly confess that Jesus is not only Lord, but their Lord. And Father, we would pray that You draw them to Yourself. And for each of us, Father, I pray that You'll help us to be determined, to be humble, serve others, to listen to others, to not monopolize conversations to care about what's happening in their lives, and and not just for this week while this message is fresh in our minds, but may it be the pattern of our lives. For this we pray in Christ's precious
2: name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You know the truths expressed in Philippians chapter 2 are life-changing truths. When we live by them, we will find harmony in our churches and contentment in our lives. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981 and this radio class is an expansion of that teaching ministry. This has been a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported through the gifts and prayers of listeners like you. You can listen again to today's program or many previous ones at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Spend some time there and get acquainted with the ministry, and maybe even sign up for our free podcasting service or our free newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. To hear the entire message that today's class concluded, you can order a CD by calling us at 727. 441 1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727 441 1714. We have learned a great deal over the past several classes about unity, but how do we apply these principles to our own lives? It's one thing to say, for example, be humble. It's quite another thing to actually do it. I've met people, and perhaps you have too, who claim to have achieved spiritual perfection. That can be discouraging because if you're anything like me, you have a ways to go before you are perfect. Recognizing that we struggle with pride and selfishness is part of the humility Paul said we should display. Join us for the next verse-by-verse for some practical applications of the principles we have been studying.